Welcome to Empowered Thinking at Play. I'm Kim Nelson, writer, meditation teacher, confidence coach, and someone with a very curious mind. I'm here talking to guests and exploring what makes them feel empowered, how they've created a stronger mindset, and their interpretation of what empowerment really is. My guest on this episode is Julia Green, who has, I have to say, a very interesting combination of roles. First, as an officer in charge of two centres for young offenders, and secondly, as a yoga teacher. In fact, we met on a yoga teacher training 16 years ago, and I knew we would stay friends because she's quite an eclectic personality and also very authentic. She says what she thinks. She's a great person to have on this podcast. Although it's taken me a while to persuade her. Finally, she agreed. But I knew that she would have quite an interesting take on what empowerment is. Especially as her inspiration is Willy Wonka, Dr. Zeus and Freddie Mercury. Here she is coming up. Although I don't often get greeted like this. Hey! Hiya, you sound like a Dalek. Do I? <laughs> oh, is it my phone or is it is it um this download? Say something again or have I lost you? All right, yoga teacher, the best in the world. The best yoga teacher in the world. Right, can't you... hear a word of that. It's just crackling. Oh, no. I can hear you really clearly. Are you on a headset? Oh, that's a bit better. You've come through. No, I can't uh, attach a headset into this. It's an iPhone 7 and it doesn't have a headphone. It's only a speaker. And uh, I think you can use those Bluetooth things, but um, I haven't got any. Is that better? You sounded a bit better just now. Okay. Yeah, you sound fine. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yay. How are you today? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm uh, going to come away from this computer. Otherwise, I'll be distracted. Hold on. Let me put that down. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm uh, I'm working as usual, but at least I'm working from home. And uh, then I'm going to go to my favourite place in the world, Asda, when I've spoken to you. So, um, yes, yeah, a good day. <laughs> Why is Asda the favourite place in the world? <laughs> it's my happy place. I say it in all my yoga classes. I do, do you know, I don't like shopping, but I like spending money and um, everything else is shut. So I just, I love walking around. I've always loved walking around Asda. I don't know why it's my favourite place. There's characters in Asda. Don't you ever go? Don't have Asda in Belgium. And actually, I don't really like the supermarkets here. I actually, no, I have to say, I do like the supermarkets when I go to England. Oh. You have so much choice. In, and they're bigger. Well. <laughs> I'll tell you, don't put this in the recording. Well, you might do, but don't put it in the recording. But um, I was in Asda. I like shopping there late at night because that's when all the weird people go. And I was by the uh, pet food place, obviously, the usual aisle. And I was picking up bird seeds to put in my garden. And this really weird man come up to me and he said, don't buy that. That's really, really wicked. And I said, what? Feeding the birds is wicked. And he goes, they put magnets in it. Haven't you seen them all flocking around, unable to leave each other? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think people are drawn to you? Yeah, well, what nutters? <laughs> you know what? It's because I answer them. 
you know, people talk to you, don't they? And most most of the time, if somebody comes up to you, looks a bit odd, and most people will just look at them and walk away. But I don't. I'll stand and have a chat with them because they amuse me. And I feel rude walking away. So, so I think that's why I get Yeah. <laughs> I always get people asking me directions. I seem to have one of those faces. Maybe I look like a know-it-all. Know. <laughs> Do you think you have a different sort of approachable face in the outside world as opposed to your yoga classes? Because I think you're a pretty strict teacher, aren't you? I'm strict, but we do have lots of random conversations to be fair um so yeah no no I think I'm exactly the same my yoga classes you've been to them they're not silent we don't do silent yoga we chat and we talk about all sorts of things so for example last night we were talking about different size boobs um and the week before in the same class it was about um people let's say wind releasing in class and I think you should talk about all of this stuff because it normalizes it. How many things have you got wrong with you that you don't want to tell people because you think it's odd? Probably hundreds. We all have. So if I don't know if I have a hundred. That's quite a lot. Oh, I've got loads. <laughs> Thank you. I've got hundreds. <laughs> but you, we've all got things that we look at or that we think or that we do. And you think you're the only one who does it, but you're not. And it just takes somebody to um, chat about it and be open about it, and it normalises stuff. Like, even the, the way you eat sweets. I think everybody has a specific way that they eat bars of chocolate. Yeah, and you think that you might be the only one and you're doing it weird. But not, we all have those little quirks, and we all have lumps and bumps and random hairs growing out of places on the body that you shouldn't have one. And if you don't talk about them, you think you're weird. But if you talk about them, you know you're normal. That's true. You do have a unique style of yoga which is very chatty probably the most on yoga environment <laughs> it is and but you know yoga teachers like attracts like so my classes are full of people that want to do that and that makes it acceptable because everybody in the group wants to do and be in the same environment and I quite like it because it suits me and it's not false uh, it's not uh, it's not fake nobody in my classes tends to be fake you know and that that's good so if you come to my class and you don't like the chat and the openness and the honesty then find another yoga teacher everyone definitely everyone has their preference of yoga teacher um and my preference is not someone who sits there in fake silence so that's not the way I'm going to teach and there's hundreds of yoga teachers so you know quietly say this is not for me and don't come back but you get people moaning. You get people moan about all yoga teachers for all sorts of things. You can never please all the people all the time. So as long as you please your regulars and the people who like you, then that's fine, isn't it? That's true. Your, your classes are pretty busy as well. So you obviously have a following They're, of your style. Yeah, they are packed. Um, and I think that I don't attract what I call the sort of deep intensive um intense is probably better than intense intense yogis I attract the regular people on the street and I think that's a good thing because I think that there's a lot of yoga teachers um that can scare people away from yoga they say I've been teaching yoga for years and they scare me away from yoga and I want to I think everyone should do it I I'm not a conformist yoga teacher but I do swear by it and 
I believe in it. Um, and if I can get everybody, anybody to join in and not feel uncomfortable because the room is full of skinny, bendy people chanting, then that's got to be a good thing. And uh, I do have yoga teachers in most of my classes as well, which is interesting. So it can't be that non-conform unless of course they're non-conformist yoga teachers <laughs> so <laughs> hmm. but shouldn't yoga be do you think they're place? they're also taking tips from you and being chatty in their classes yeah there's quite a few people over the years that you would know this from teaching that come to you and become yoga teachers themselves and tend to emulate your style so I suppose I'm just emulating what I grew up learning and they're now emulating me, which makes me that little old lady that used to teach me years ago. And let's not talk about that. Because <laughs> I know. <never> <laughs> so talking? are you able to talk about your um, work with young people? Because before, um, quite a few years ago, and I don't know if you do that now, but you were teaching young offenders. I don't teach them yoga. Um, I was teaching youngsters who were on the borderline of uh, becoming young offenders. Um, but my main job is not yoga. I, I manage two young offender centres, um, but I don't teach them yoga. We have brought yoga into the female centre where I work. Um, but obviously not for the last year because not much has been going on anywhere with this year. Um, but it is something I've, I plan to take back in there. So, but would I be teaching it? Not sure. <laughs> we shall see. Mm, but I, I really liked your stories from before when you were saying the impact of some of the yoga poses on some of these boys who had done, you know, petty crime, mm. you know, and you walked into a room and they expected you to be a pushover being this, you know, small blonde woman. Oh, well, yeah, well yeah, I'm not so small anymore. It's lockdown. But they do, when, when <laughs> I did teach yoga to them, they, they do, you know, you walk into the room and you get this instant, all oh, right, okay, this is going to be easy. But um, I was, you know, I went to work in prisons in my early 20s. So what you might look at when I walk through the door is not what comes out of my mouth. And, um, Usually they take to you. I don't teach yoga. I didn't teach yoga to them in a, again, in the traditional, let's sit quietly and breathe kind of way. We did breathing exercises. We talked about how you should breathe, but to keep them interested, it had to be fun. So it, it was a fun yoga class. It was something that they were allowed to laugh in and in a nice way, take the mick out of each other. I never allow people to take the mick out of each other if you're not laughing with the person. There was no laughing at each other. But, you know, take a, a bunch of young boys that have never done yoga. And the best way to get them to try it is to allow them to laugh with each other throughout the session. And um, they all kept coming back. I didn't have any dropouts. So, yeah, it, it, I think you, know, you don't have to take it seriously to be taking it seriously. Does that make sense? Yeah, You don't have to put on this fake, um, sort of serious face to be taking what you do seriously. I spent years and years studying yoga. And I, you know me, you know my big, big thing is these fake yoga teachers. Yoga is not meant to be fake. You do it as you are. And people will like you if you are yourself. People see through you if you're trying to be something you're not. And I think that's that's the sort of long and short of it with, with working with any kind of 
young men, not just young offenders, or people in general, because we all see through a fake, don't we? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, and uh, I, I think that it's as much as yoga. It's also, as I say, it's a place to be yourself. I think that I use my yoga rooms as a place to be you, to say what you want, ask what you want, and be you, not not somewhere you have to be someone's mum, someone's sister, someone's dad, someone's partner, just to be you. And is that, I think that's yoga, doesn't it? It comes into yoga. Definitely. I do think there is a lot of fakeness in yoga. Um, and I think you bring some realness to it. And this is what people are drawn to. I think you're, it is the realness that, that the guys that come to me like. I, You know, my biggest bugbear of yoga is what you just called the fakeness. When we were working together and when we trained together, where we met, I think, you know what, without being rude about everybody else in that class, you and I were probably the most honest and who we were. I think out of the whole room, we were probably the only two that, from the word go, were not trying to be something that we weren't, Um, which is probably why we're still friends now. What is it, 10, 15 years on? Longer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, that fakeness, it's it's almost become part of yoga. And it's such a, it's such a shame because it's, the fundamental part of yoga is to be comfortable and self-acceptance. And if your yoga teacher is sitting there trying to be somebody else, therefore not accepting themselves, then what hope have you got as the, as the student? Mm-hmm. So, it, it, and it, it, most of the, I'm going to, if you put this on the podcast, make it sound nice, but I think some of the horriblest people I've met, ever met in my life have been yogis. On the other side of the scale, equally some of the nicest people I've met have been yogis. But those horrible ones, like anywhere in life, seem to be louder. The bullies of this world are louder, aren't they, than the quiet minority. Yeah. And it, I think it puts people off. I, I just think it puts people off yoga when there's a, again, I don't know if you want to put this on the podcast, but on Facebook, I see yoga teachers um, preaching about um, being how bad it is that you have to wear masks in supermarket, how bad it is that we're in a lockdown and the anti-vaccinators or was it anti-vaxxers, whatever you call them, constantly, constantly. And these are yoga teachers. And what's upsetting, my my view, you you know what, if an old lady is safer, feels safer in the supermarket because I've got a mask on, I'll wear a mask. I don't see that I'm bowing to pressure from above. I'm just making somebody feel a little bit safer. And when it comes to the vaccine, it's up to you. Some people want it, some people don't. Make your own decision. But yoga teachers are in this weird position where there are people out there who listen to them. And it scares me when you get these fake yoga teachers pretending to be know-it-alls. And I've gone off track, haven't I? But you know what I mean. Fake yoga teachers that are just (laughs) too much in your face. Um, and preaching things that they shouldn't preach. Teachers need to be careful. I really think teachers, yoga teachers need to be careful the way that they behave and the things that they say. Yoga teachers can jump. Good point. You know that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, I remember we were having 
text chat this year. And it was just after the first uh-huh. lockdown. And um, I was talking about you coming onto this podcast and you weren't sure and you were umming and ahhing. Yeah. And then I texted you a question, you know, what have you learned about yourself this uh-huh. year? And I remember you saying that you're not sure you've learned anything about yourself, but you have realised how many stupid people there are in the world. <laughs> yes, I have. People are I've become you know what I think I have become slightly less tolerant of the stupid people and I'm going to give you an example I was in class the other day no names mentioned I'm not going to tell you where I was but this one lady said to me um oh I can't wait for Christmas break because I'm going to go and see my mom and she's in a care home and I'm going to give her a hug and I said but just because the lockdown is over and you know for Christmas you can see your relatives there's still the virus out there. And she said to me, no, there's not. They said it's not around for Christmas. <laughs> you are I am kidding me. Kidding you. And this is a lady that I've known for quite a while. And she's got a regular nine to five job, a really normal member of society. And I thought to myself, oh, my God. Now, you know what? This year has shown who is stupid and who is not. <laughs> And I've yeah. decided, you know, and you reevaluate. And the other thing that was weird during lockdown is that people that you weren't that close with suddenly become friends. And the people that you were friendly with seem to disappear. So my, my sort of close friend circle has changed. And I don't particularly know why, but I can tell you now my close friend circle are not stupid people that think the virus is going to go away for a week at Christmas. Mm. But I enjoyed lockdown, didn't you? Yeah, I got I got used to. I mean, I'm quite an introverted sort of person, but then over the lockdown, I realised actually I'm an introverted extrovert. Um, oh, that and I've become more chatty. I've become more um, open than I was before. Um, I've always been quite chatty and open, but I I do it did um, it did sort of push home how much I like my own company and. I didn't, I was quite selfish at the beginning. It didn't really dawn on me how many people did struggle with it, um, particularly people living in domestic violence situations. Um, mm-hmm. And I spoke to one of my young offenders and she was in a domestic violence situation and one of my staff and myself, we helped her get out of it. So I think um, I did get very insular in the beginning, which probably isn't a good thing, but it did make me more grateful, actually. Since you asked me that question, I did think about it. And I think one thing I've learned is how grateful I am for the life that I have got. You know, we all walk around, sort of, woe is me. I'm, I'm not terribly woe is me, but I am incredibly lucky. I, that lockdown was lovely. I've got a house, I've got my dogs, I've got, I've got everything I need. I didn't go short of money and I didn't, you don't realise how lucky you are we all want more and we never look at what we've got. And I think that um, lockdown taught me that in the end. That sounds a bit goody two shoes, doesn't it? But I never appreciate, I appreciated what I have, but not to the extent that I think the lockdown taught me. I came out of lockdown happy. I was in lockdown happy. And there was a lot of people that weren't. And when you look at the reasons they weren't, that's what makes you realise what you've got. Or, in many cases, what you haven't got to put up with. So, 
yeah it mm. did teach me something but it, I had to think about it to get to that point it was I couldn't come up with that off the top of my head but yeah I was I'm lucky I mean I'm I, I'm single and I like being single but I didn't realize how lucky I was to be <laughs> single when you look at other people that are crammed into tiny flats with big families and no garden and getting told off for sitting in the park and stuff like that and uh yeah I've got I've got a good life haven't I do you mm. have and now you've um acknowledged mm. that I guess before you didn't really no I don't think I don't think you um I don't think we do do we we human beings seem to constantly strive for more you spend all of your working life trying to climb up the ladder of promotion and I remember my dad said to me the best thing that ever happened to him was retirement because he spent all of his life climbing up a ladder which really had nothing at the top and um, he said looking back if he could have gone part-time or given up work earlier he would have chucked it all up and had a life and I don't think you do realize things you have to and lockdown forced you into realizing things I didn't learn anything I didn't do any new skills or I even forgot the little Italian that I had learned. <laughs> I sort of unlearned quite a lot of things. But yeah, I did learn appreciation, perhaps, or gratefulness. And that's not a bad, that's not a bad lesson, is it? Oh. For an old cynic that's like nice. me. Yes, I have to say you are a cynic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that answer is not no, cynical. It's, it's not what you expected from me. But it's, it's, it's um, yeah, no, it's honest. It, it was, that was what I did learn. And Am I happy in it? I don't know. I'm always quite happy anyway. You don't often see me unhappy, but yeah, maybe more content. And just as I've said that, there's two magpies mm. in my front garden. So look, happy days ahead. <laughs> nice. So what's your definition of being empowered? empowered. Um, you know, that's a hard one for somebody that doesn't think about... I'm, because I'm quite loud and confident and gregarious, it's hard to think of being disempowered. But I think contentment, and I've become more empowered as I've got older. And maybe that's because you're not in competition anymore with youngsters. You know, I remember when I was young, you'd go out to nightclubs and everybody was thinner than me and prettier than me and dressed better than me. But for me now... I don't care. So I think maybe contentment and age has done it for me. But empowerment is not something I really think about. And also remember, I sort of grew up in a in the criminal justice system. Um, so I was forced into being empowered in some ways, or I didn't have a job. That hasn't really answered your question, has it? It's in it's answered it in an interesting way. You've brought up elements that haven't been brought up before yeah so forced to be empowered that's an interesting um, one yeah forced to be empowered. I, I, I've, I've looked at your website and I was only reading the other day your your thing on the website about empowerment and it's not something that has ever ever crossed my mind but looking back maybe it's because I was forced to be empowered I ended up working in a field I didn't go to school wanting to work in the criminal justice system but I ended up in a field where you either were confident and strong and an empowered woman or you were not going to be able to stay there and I did stay there so I think it's just um it's just grown in the lifestyle that that I've had but do I have ways of empowerment? I'm not sure because I've never 
looking back, I don't know if I've ever been disempowered. So, mm. have there been times when you felt vulnerable? Um, what mentally or physically? Mentally. Uh, I think in the criminal justice system, the if ever there's anything gone wrong, it, the general sort of culture is that of blame. And everybody wants to blame everybody else because nobody wants to be the person standing there, you know, being accused of something. Um, so I think you, there's a, when you work within this field, you have to constantly watch your back. So in some ways, you're constantly vulnerable because making a mistake in the field I work in is very different to making a mistake in other careers, perhaps. And um, so maybe there's a constant vulnerability, which makes it not feel vulnerable in the end. It makes it feel normal. Um, sometimes teaching yoga, I think in the very beginning, that was quite difficult, sitting in front of a glass, class of people that probably knew more than you at the time. <laughs> um, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I've been on my own a long time. I've looked after myself. I've. I, I don't know if I've had a part of me. I'm not a very vulnerable person, I don't think. I've still not answered your question, has it? No, I like the way you answer it in a different way. No, you're still answering it. You're answering it in a <laughs> Julia way. <laughs> I know, I just... A way that I kind of expected yeah, you to. Um, so can you think of any people that, I mean, I think you have empowered a lot of people, especially, you know, in your line of work as a yoga teacher and in the um, mm, justice system. Yeah. <laughs> can you think of someone that just springs to mind when I think, when I ask you, you know, a story about somebody that you've empowered? Um, I, there's probably, I mean, the, a simple answer from the yoga perspective. I think over the years, um, pretty much in every single one of my classes, I've had somebody go off and train to be a yoga teacher. Um, and that will change their life. So, and they've done that because of what they've been practicing with me. Um, and when I see them teach, and there's a little bit of me in their teaching, do you remember once you came to my class and you said to me that you could see Anne-Marie in me? <laughs> Sometimes I yes. see me in them. And they say things that I say. So uh, perhaps that's uh, helping, that's empowering them a little bit. Yoga is, is a great gift. I mean, I think if, if, if any, someone said to me once, I'm going to give you the best gift you've ever had and I'm going to teach you about yoga. That was years and years ago. So if I look at it that way, then I've empowered all of these people that have realized that they can stand up and teach and do something other than what they're doing with their life so that's that's good um with young offenders i think you know that's what you're there to do we're there as role models we're there to to teach them to become better human beings and more productive members of their community so we do that because that's our job and that's what we do and when you're in those two fields, yoga and the criminal justice system, the, the part that I work in now, it, that is what I'm paid to do. I'm paid to help people get better and improve their lives. So across the two jobs, although it sounds big headed, 
I think if I didn't empower people, I wouldn't be doing either of the jobs that I'm getting paid to do. On a yeah, and on to a me that doesn't level, sound big-headed. I'm not sure I am very empowering. <laughs> I'm not. I always put on Facebook. I'm not a terribly inspiring person. My favourite pastime is to sit on the sofa, eat chocolate, and watch Netflix. Um, I'm not, and I never ever put up on Facebook or any any social media inspirational quotes um, or anything. Maybe the odd one by Willy Wonka or Dr. Zeus. But I'm not, you know, this (laughs) inspirational human being that's trying to lead everybody to the light. Um, But in my jobs, that that is what I'm paid to do. So it's, uh, so yes and no. Yes, professionally. No, personally. How's that? (laughs) I do think you personally also uh, empower people just for being you. There is such a lack of real people out there. And the fact that you are real, you know, you have the attitude, if you don't like me, then that's fine with me. You know, other people will like me. I don't rely on lack Yeah, you can't build your happiness on what other people think of you. That's like building a castle on sand, isn't it? Because what one person likes about you, another one's going to hate and vice versa. Um, it's very kind of you to say that empowers people. If, if it does, then happy days. Um, yeah. If people talk to me and think, you know, she's, look at her, <laughs> look at the state she's in and she's happy to be who she is, then maybe I'm happy to be who I am. Then that's, that's great. That's a really positive thing. That's brilliant. I like that. And uh, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I don't do it on purpose. But isn't that age? No, but have you always been like no, that? I think, yeah, I, I've never been, I don't think I've ever been, um, I've never been one of these people that judge what I see in the mirror. I, I think because I don't, I'm not the world's most attractive woman. I don't, I've never been looking in the mirror, judging myself on what I look like because I can't. So that helps. I think that, that, you know, that's, that's it. So I'm naturally not that shallow from that perspective, I guess. That's made me sound big headed. I don't like talking about myself makes me sound big headed. I don't think it does though. (laughs) Get out of your head talking about being head, big headed. Get out of your head. So if I'm saying things about me and I'm sounding it, then I'm beginning to go off me, but um, I think it's just natural. My mum and dad are like it. My mum, um, my dad is is he, my dad is the most laid back but funny bloke you'll ever meet. Most people who meet my dad really really love him. Um, I had friends at school that used to fancy him and come round just to see my dad. And my mum is pretty much as honest as she gets. She complains and moans about everything, and she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her. So probably I've grown up taking on elements of my mum and my dad. So I think, yes, I have always been like it because that's the way that I was brought up. You take a lot from your parents, don't you? And if your mm-hmm. parents had hang-ups, then yeah. that's, you know, and if and my mum and dad stayed together, I didn't have to go through things like divorce and that with my mum and dad. So a stable upbringing with a fairly normal and fun-loving family is going to rub off on you. So, yeah, thanks, thanks to them, I haven't really been much different. So when did you last feel you had a new lease on life? I think everything that changes you gives you a new lease on life, doesn't it? Both good and bad. I suppose 
this is this all right a tiny lease on life a couple of weeks ago I had um I lost one of my old dogs and you would think that would be really sad but when he went he'd been so ill for a long time there was a mixture of sadness that he'd gone but relief that I no longer was unable to go anywhere and leave him with anybody so that was a new lease on life um it's changed because my other one's got ill now but that was the new lease on life prior to that I suppose splitting up with the ex was probably the best thing that ever happened to me at the time you you don't think it is but my life has improved immeasurably since that you know since I was with him um so I think every time something happens probably bad things usually because you don't learn anything from having a good day do you so I think that, no. um, yeah, the worst things, the, the, the worst the thing is that happens, probably the better lease on life you're going to get if you can view it from that perspective. But new lease on life, mm. yeah, I think they're the, they're the two things that instantly spring to mind when you ask me that question. And, yeah, that's, that's awful, isn't it? Dog dying gives you a new lease on life, but I don't mean it like that. I just think a change, if you can accept any change that happens, if you can be open to acknowledge, isn't there an old saying that says, accept the things you can't change? Was it be wise for the things you accept, be wise and accept the things you can't change? And was it Richard Kipling? Have I got that wrong? I'm not sure, but I might look that up after this yeah, interview. It, it, there's, a, there's a really good saying that says... Um, a wise man accepts the things he can't change and doesn't. Have a look at it. It's a really good saying. And I think that's, um, I, like, I live by that saying. I think it's true. And I think that you get a new lease on life when you hit any change in life, if you allow that change to be positive. Um, and bad stuff can be positive. You can't change everything that happens to you. So if you ride with it and you go with it, you're going to get a new lease on life each time something like that does happen. That's a bit Pollyanna, True. but it is a fact. I love Pollyanna. <laughs> Do you know, I've never even seen the film. Grew I up with her. <laughs> I've been called Pollyanna before. <laughs> but, um, it, yeah, it is a bit Pollyanna, isn't it? But it, it is true. There are every day, every week, something is going to happen to you that you cannot change. If you ride with it, then you'll find that you get a new lease on life. Mm, nice. Yeah. So can you recommend any life-changing books? Life-changing books, oh my God. Or just even books that you like. Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not a big recommend. reader, so I can't recommend you any books that are going to be useful for any kind of counselling purposes, because I'm a I'm a uh, escapist, so my favourite kind of books would be, I tell you, I've, I've read The Hobbit about 15 times, and Alice in Wonderland, and I like these fantasy, childish fantasy type books, um, so can I recommend anything useful? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> but, I'm into Harry I Potter. I do children, and Harry Potter's full of children. I like I like more, um, yeah, more more fantasy, less children. Don't don't put that in the podcast. They'll think I'm horrid. <laughs> but 
it's going in. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite book has I just is The Hobbit. I love it. I love it. If ever I'm not happy, I'll read The Hobbit. I just love it. There's something about the Shire, and if you haven't read it or you don't know it, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But there's something about the Shire that is very safe and very homely, and a really nice place to go when you're not feeling so good. And do you know what I do? Oh, don't put this in. <laughs> but do you know what I do at night? I don't have Christmas in this house because I live on my own and really what's the point if I put a tree up um, one of my dogs will no doubt rip it down within the space of 10 minutes of it going up if I'm lucky and also what's the point nobody comes around to see it so I don't bother I'm not a humbug <laughs> but I just don't don't it's just a normal day but what I love doing at night my favorite thing is my late night dog walk and I walk around the streets and it started off where I was looking at people's Christmas trees and decorations and lights and sort of judging them in my head, because we used to do that when we were kids. And now I walk around on a really cold, frosty, misty night, and I look for a house that looks homely. So if you have read The Hobbit, and you know what I mean by the Shire being a really homely place, I walk down the street and it's freezing cold, and I think to myself, that house would have a big feast on the table. That house Oh, they wouldn't have anything that house and I look for the houses that I think would be the most welcoming on a cold night and that's one of my favorite things to do and that sounds really weird but I'm probably not the only one <laughs> so that's my yeah I don't I don't even remember what the question was you asked me because I digressed but whole book it was life-changing books but I like that game oh, I'm going to play that game with game. my kids and if you ever watch The Hobbit or if you see the movie or even read the book, if you go to a hobbit's house, they've got a larder packed with really good old-fashioned, healthy, wholesome, warm, heartwarming food. And there's one scene where all these dwarves turn up at this hobbit's house and they just clear his larder out. And on the table is this massive feast, real old-fashioned feast, all things I wouldn't eat like meat, but it's all there. <laughs> And I sort of walk around with the dogs thinking you could have a feast in that. That house would welcome you and put a feast on the table. And I, I, a 10 minute dog walk turns into an hour or two hours because I just walk around different streets looking at people's windows. <laughs> like the little match girl at Christmas. <laughs> and uh, I do it every night, Kim. It's, that's, that's getting, um, it's my little, you know what? That's almost like a meditation for me now at night. I love it. I look forward to it. I like and that. I, I don't meditate. I know that you and I have tried meditating. You've got me to do mindfulness and stuff like that. And I'm really rubbish at it because I'm much happier when I'm busy and juggling 15,000 balls at once. But at night, when I walk around in the dark looking for that haven of peace and homeliness, I drift off completely. So I think that I have found, I have found a way to meditate, just not quite in the conventional way. And in fact, if someone's curtains are open, then it takes all the mystery of the, you know, the, the house away, doesn't it? You can you can see that they've got nothing in there apart from a can of Coke and a can of beer. And um, you know, the windows are probably better with the curtains closed. Yeah. But actually, in Belgium, people leave their oh, curtains open. So that's, yeah, I'll be able to see yeah, inside. No we have talked a lot about <laughs> curtains. So let's go on to some quick fire questions. Oh, okay so just say what's right. on the top of your head all right if you could learn one new skill what would it be Italian. what famous person would you like to meet could be dead or alive oh, freddie mercury of course he's my hero yeah. oh yeah what would be the title of your autobiography oh. um 
don't know. I don't, I don't like talking about me. Oh, that's what we call it. I don't like talking about me. What what catchphrases do you use a lot? Catchphrases. Uh, catchphrases, catchphrases. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. In a yoga class? Um, be honest is probably my most common one, but that's so dull. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I like that. Do you have any scars? And if so, what's oh, the story? It, hundreds. You mean physical scars? Oh, hundreds. Yes. And what's the story? Best scar story. Best scar story. I, oh, okay. One is when I fell out of the loft, landed on my head and had to have it glued. And um, don't remember having any of that done. <laughs> oh. The others are probably a bit too dark. So we'll stick with that one. <laughs> Okay. We are all in the process of becoming. What do you feel you are becoming? More. That's it. More. More. What was that? Mm. More. We are becoming more. I think the human race is slowly becoming more. We're growing mentally, physically, spiritually. The human race changing. We're becoming more. More than we ever were. Mm. That's not what you were looking for, was it? But you told me off. Um, <laughs> no, no, I like the answer. I like the answer. Yeah. And all of we should yeah. be becoming more. Mm. Wow. He's great. Do you know? He's just, he is. See, he is inspirational and gregarious and conf- oozes confidence. Mm. And yeah. And, and like yeah. in private, possibly not. But in part, he, the public Freddie is everything that I want to be more of. So that goes back to my more quote. <laughs> Mm. By the way, this interview, you said, please don't put that in the, in the interview. You said that a few times. That would mean me taking everything out. Well, so it's staying in. Oh, I don't sound horrible. <laughs> you know what I'm like? I've got, I've got you don't sound horrible. views on some things, and I try really hard not to sound like it, but I do have. Yeah, it's awful. Yoga has upset me more than any other job. But you know the conversations we've had over the years about yoga teachers i don't know how i would have got through that yoga training without you actually went off to be ill yeah put that in the interview (laughs) no i'm not putting that in there put that in the interview how you turned up the first day of your yoga teacher training with a hangover and meat flavored crisps i know that's terrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it should. I think that's it not going in because that's why we stay mm. friends. Because I looked at you and thought she's turned up with a hangover and meat flavored crisps that she's hiding under the table. <laughs> and I looked at everyone else and thought, oh, <laughs> <God."> <laughs> I can't. I'll see how I feel when I do the editing. So, as you can tell, I left that bit in. I'm still highly embarrassed, 16 years on, that I actually turned up at a yoga teacher training hungover. Not my finest moment, I have to say. But as Julia has been honest throughout this interview, I also have to be honest as the podcast host. Now, at this point, I would usually say we can contact my interviewee, but Julia is very private despite what she sounds like on her interview. 
so I can't give you any social media. Um, she might be on Twitter, but she never uses it, so you can always find Julia, Julia Green, on Twitter. In the meantime, if you're interested in doing some courses to empower yourself in 2021, I have a few that you might be interested in. So check out my website, which is mindfulthinkingatplay.com. Until next time.